Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Kicks to O'Neal, top to Donovan, eight on the shot clock. Gets the pick from Gobert, has some airspace, fires the off the bounce three and hits. Donovan off the bounce three, hit it, plus a foul. Chance for a four-point play. Lob to Rudy on the inbound, he catches, has Stewart between him, hands to Conley. Conley goes reverse side and scores it. Checks to O'Neal, drives at Grant. Cross-court Boyan, try it again, baby! He did! Boyan Bogdanovich, not once, but twice! Seals the deal. Timeout, Wayne Casey. <laughs> Utah Jazz build a 28-point lead. Detroit whittles it down to four. Had a three-pointer to get it, get within a point, but they missed it. Jazz got the rebound. They were running, and then you heard Locke yelling, and it was over. Jazz win 117-105. PK, you can flip the names here. The Jazz were uh, the team that dug the big hole in Denver, rallied, got close, and then didn't seal the deal. And now they have the big lead. Detroit rallies, gets close, but doesn't seal the deal. They did not. At the end of the day, we won. At the end of the day. I cannot hear end of the day without thinking of you now. And I'm hearing it quite a bit. (laughs) It's no longer, no longer belongs to one person. It's spreading. When the time struck, well, it's actually when it hits 11.59, because I think when it hits midnight, it's the next day. Yes. Not when it's 12.01. Right. Midnight belongs to the following day, not to the day that just ended. Right. So when it hits 11.59.59, we won. That's the end of the day. Yes. Donovan Mitchell, 32 points. Bogdanovich, the pair of late three-pointers you heard right there when the lead was four, pushed it back to seven and ten with about a minute to go, and that was it. He finished with 18 points in the game. So you concerned that the the big lead got whittled down so much? I mean, 28 to 20 or 15 doesn't seem like a big deal. I think when it was in single digits, everybody knew it was a big deal. Like, uh uh-oh. No, I never thought they were going to lose. Had it the whole way. I thought they would just turn it on when they had to. They got lackadaisical, uh, so you know they got tired. They run. They got old guys. That was funny. Donovan Mitchell said, yeah. "It's funny. Joe makes fun of us being old, and Donovan, Donovan Mitchell makes, makes fun. Fun. Yeah, him funny. being old. Yeah. So it depends on where you are. You're going to get there at some point. You might as well embrace it. So uh, you know they had. I think it was a little loss of focus. Uh, that, that, to me, yeah. that's that's the issues. We can stat it up all we want. It was the focus. Because they had it early. It was really yeah. good at the start of the game. They came out and jumped on them early. And they really did. They were they were clearly motivated by Denver. I didn't think they... I know they built up the lead, but I don't think they, they, they jumped on them. I think they just played their game, and it led to the lead. Does that make sense? I, I see it a little bit of a... It didn't seem like, oh, man, we just got to bury these guys early, and that's our number one goal. I think they're... The way I took it anyway, and I could be totally wrong, is that the idea was just to get back to doing what we do and that led to the big lead. As uh, opposed to the mindset line, is, we've, we've got to get yeah. this 20-point lead immediately. It was, it was very crisp. I thought the passing, the reads right. and everything. Right. Guys weren't passing up shots. I, honestly, I think that's one of the big things. When they start passing up shots, you're like, oh, geez. <laughs> They're in trouble now. 
<laughs> and they didn't. You know, they didn't pass up the shots. The right guy at the right time took it. And they weren't just settling for threes. They were taking threes when they were there, but they were also going to the rim. Royce O'Neal had a good drive early in the game. Thought of you right away because you'd just been pumping him up. And, and he had a good drive early. So it was really crisp. And I thought coming out of halftime, it was really clear on some level, subconsciously or whatever, they're like, oh, we got this. And, and the basketball wasn't nearly as good. Which is what it was flipped the other day, Sunday right. afternoon. They came out in the third quarter. So I think there's the, you know, at the end of the day, these guys are human beings. So I think it's about intensity and focus and concentration, those types of things with this team. The talent is there. It's obvious it's there. And so it needs to be doing what you're supposed to do and have a heightened awareness in the moment. And that's where I think this team is going to have its most success. Jazz are off today. They're flying to Georgia because they're playing the Hawks in Atlanta tomorrow. Tip-off set for 5.30. They they didn't fly. They took a midnight train. That would be awesome. And yet they didn't. They're flying. Leaving on a midnight train to Georgia. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Fred in the paint. Catches the pass. Scoops it up and in on a reverse. And Fred Van Vliet with a new franchise record, 54 points in the game. Nets have it in the black, going right to left. Irving, out on the right, a long three, good! Oh, from Port Green, he knocks it down! Jalen Brown right side, finds Kemba straight away, zips to the open man, it's Tatum, corner three, got it! Dame gets the inbound pass on the far sideline, Westbrook takes a swipe at it. Now he drives the baseline, dunks it in! Right in the face of Rui Hachimura! There's some highlights. Some you you like offense, PK. You got it. I can't even keep track. Of all the guys who went for 30 plus points last night: uh, Steph Curry, Donovan Mitchell, obviously. Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving, and Kawhi Leonard. But Fred VanVleet stands out amongst them all. 54 points as uh, Toronto beats Orlando, 123-108. 54 is an enormous number. Uh, VV, yeah, the most points ever scored by a walk-on. Toronto, Toronto franchise single-game record. And he wasn't drafted. How about that? Man? Yeah, right. He's only six feet, six one. It's a great story. G League dude, back probably when it was the D League. I don't know how long it's been the G League, and so he bounced around a little bit, found his home in Toronto. That's a great story to hold up. For all those kids who have been overlooked and whatnot, most of you are overlooked when you think about it. And so you're able to stay with it, and you, you come up with this big game. Lowry had a triple-double in that game, and and uh, the Magic, I mean, they, they've just been decimated by uh, injuries and COVID and whatnot. But nevertheless, you have to tip your hat to Vivi. Brooklyn Nets get the 124-120 win over the L.A. Clippers. Kyrie Irving. 39 points in the game. The Nets are going to have to outscore you, and they did it. 124-120, so the Jazz now have the best record in the NBA as the Clippers fall to 16-6. Tied with the Lakers, the Jazz are 16-5. And And the big three, all coming up big. Harden had 23, Durant had 28, Irving had 39, and the rest of the guys, uh, you know, some free throws, a couple fast breaks, maybe an offensive rebound, and the rare open shot. Well, somebody has to inbound the ball. That's a true story. 34 points for all the other guys combined. But the big three are going to handle the scoring. We know that. 
Blazers beat the Wizards. Damian Lillard had 32 in uh, Portland's win there. Another high-scoring game, 132-121. And the Warriors, are they just going to battle for that 7-10 spot here? They can't really beat the uh, the top third of the league very often. Celtics 111-107 over Golden State. Uh, that, yeah, that's what I see. Yeah. Obviously, they don't have enough manpower. NBA and the Players Association reportedly progressing on a deal for a March 7th All-Star game to be held in Atlanta. One night only, game skills competition. It's a lot of extra travel in and out. I wonder if they just blow off the All-Star break and just get more games in, but apparently not. Whatever they want to do there, I really don't care. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. So BYU's game at San Diego postponed COVID-19 concerns for the Toreros who played about half as many games as BYU. Game not likely to be made up. Uh, USD in, issued a statement that indicates the game will be canceled, as will their game at BYU that was scheduled for February 13th at the Marriott Center. You know, they're not playing a complete double round robin PK, and I wonder if maybe this year when you can't play USD, if BYU's going to loop back and pick up some of the teams they're only scheduled to play once or... Just going to play a lot fewer games, and that's just going to be the way it is. Uh, I think they're in the hunt for games, and if things could be worked out, they would do it. Sure, yeah. I mean, this is uh, the way it is. USD is just shutting down now for the next couple of weeks. So, looks and, and after that, in the Mount, uh, West Coast, you've only got a couple more weeks to go. So you wonder if they're even going to take the floor again. And it's not like it's a high demand for University of San Diego basketball. Uh, it's just happening. He doesn't have it here on the on the list there, but Utah's game against ASU is out uh, on Sunday. And the Devils are not playing this week at all. They're not playing Colorado. They're not, they've lost, I think, seven or eight games. They've had three starts and stops and trying to restart. I mean, obviously, it's just created total havoc for them as they haven't been able to get any form of continuity on the floor, and it's reflected in their record. Uh, and who knows that they, they've got the Pac-12 has a little bit of time in March, first week. But you know, how, how many games can you make up? You're, right now, I think, as I say, it's seven or eight for the Devils. Uh, it's not enough time to make up that many games. And you wonder, there's going to we're still only what's today, the third of February, going forward. How many more games you're going to miss? Because you've had these issues now in your program. Your state has issues. So for some of these programs, it doesn't look very good. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Kind of what their plan is. I mean, I'm, I'm here to, to develop, and uh, I'll be the one to take over when, when he's out of here. So I think that's kind of their plan all along. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, like you said, everybody wants to play. But uh, for me, it's just a driving force to try and get better any way I can. That's Jordan Love on the plan for him in Green Bay. Get better any way you can, and whenever he's out of here, Jordan's the guy. That's got to be pretty awkward. But you're a pro, that's what you get paid for, so you just got to roll with it, no matter how awkward it is. Okay, well, that, that happens to every team. So, I mean, I don't. It, it might be awkward, but I don't know how it's not awkward for everybody. And they, I don't think they have any idea if he's going to be the guy. He can get out on the Jared Golf thought he was going to be the guy signing a long-term deal with the Rams. And then the next day, at the end of the day, they didn't want him, and he wants out. Jared Goff, quote, as the quarterback, as the guy that's at arguably the most important position in the field, if you're in a place that you're not wanted and they want you 
and they want to move on from you, feelings mutual. You don't want to be in the wrong place. It became increasingly clear that was the case. Now that's awkward. Yeah, right? (laughs) I mean, Aaron Rodgers is getting up there, so you have to have replacements. The, The Green Bay Packers don't cease playing football when Aaron Rodgers retires. So you have to have a a succession plan. Well, Jared Goff, is, he's not even 30 yet. So that, to me, that's far more awkward as far as that goes. And the Rams made a quick, quick deal on that. It's really startling how quick that came about. And to be able to get somebody like that and what you gave up. It's a big-time storyline going into next season. Yeah, I think the thing with Goff, uh, you know, they did a lot of winning, but in the biggest games, it was a struggle for them to throw for 200 yards. And his in the playoff, his completion percentage, there were a lot of games where he was down in the 50 percentage. And, you know, and, and along the way, there were great numbers and great stats. But when you look at the, the biggest games, you know, he's 3-2 and two in the playoffs, but he throws for 200 yards one time. I think they're feeling like they got the other parts in place. And if they get a guy in there who can uh, – push the ball down the field, then at the end of the day, they're going to win more playoff games. Well, sure, but yet they gave him a big, fat contract and knowing what you know. Online apparel giant Fanatics announced that Bucks quarterback Tom Brady has become their best-selling NFL player ever for a two-week period between the Conference Championship and Super Bowl as he prepares to play in his 10th Super Bowl on Sunday. Selling a lot of jerseys in Tampa Bay, but selling a lot in Orlando and Miami, and also in New York and Boston. Got a, played for a couple teams, fan bases all over the place, flocking to Tom Brady gear. Tom Brady is the singular face of sports in the United States. More than LeBron, because that'd be the competition, wouldn't it? I think football's bigger than basketball. Mm. Maybe not worldwide, but that's why I said in the United States. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. So coming and going at the University of Utah, PK, the wide receivers. Jalen Dixon's name is out of the transfer portal. He's back into the Utah program. But Brian Thompson is in the transfer portal, getting ready to be out of the Utah program. Need a need a program to keep up with all the guys in the program. <laughs> Well, Brian Thompson's a blow, yeah. I think that he was the most talented, had the best potential of any of the receivers, and it's been that way a couple of years. But they you know, they don't utilize the receivers that much. And in this this past season, uh, they obviously, with the COVID situation and only playing five games, combined with all sorts of inconsistency at quarterback, uh, I, I can't speak for Thompson just trying to read between the lines, figuring, like, I'm not maximizing it. I've got this great body. I've got size. I've got speed, blah, blah, blah. I've got pro potential, and I'm not being uh, able to show it here. I, I, that, I, that's the the only thing I could think of as far as him going, because it wasn't playing time. But, you know, now with Keithy and Covey, they seem to feature those guys, and obviously they run the ball, and they've got two backs that they brought in from high-profile schools, Oklahoma and LSU. We'll see how that pans out. Just because you come from there doesn't mean you can uh, be the next fill-in-the-blank, and they've had so many of them that you can fill in the blank because there's a number of names you can choose from. Uh, so trying to figure out what he's thinking, uh, we'll see where he ends up. But I-, I think it's a blow to the to the program. But at the same time, even though they had him, it didn't seem like he was being utilized to the fullest ability. So it's a blow on paper, but you wonder going forward 
how much are they going to miss? Because it's not like they got a ton of production from him, but that's the reason probably why he left in the first place. It's because he wasn't getting in a bunch of production. So you can go round and around on this thing. See, I think that you just hit the key thing. The potential <clears throat> always looked like it was there, and the production isn't. And maybe some of that is on him, but there's definitely other things you can look at and say, oh, it's not on him. I think everything you said about his mindset could be true, and we don't really get to interact with him now, and you know he hasn't spoken about this on the record, so it's hard to know. But I, I think that the only thing I throw on top of that is we could be breaking in another new quarterback. They could be half the season getting somebody else comfortable. Um, that and, and everything else you said, they are going to throw to Covey and they are going to throw to Keithy and they are going to run the ball a lot. You know, so the how many opportunities are going to be, and then those opportunities are going to be minimized if you're breaking somebody else and and getting them comfortable. He well, does, no matter he, who it is, basically they're breaking in a right, new quarterback because yeah. Rising barely played. Yep. And you're right about when he did make plays, he looked apart, right? got the yeah. size, he yeah. runs well, he made some catches that looked good. I mean, you didn't have to hit him right on the numbers. Uh, but, you know, there, there'd be one or two, and then what? You know, and they really need somebody who is just routinely going to be, hey, seven catches, 108 yards, and a touchdown. Who's, who's that guy? And he looked like, okay, maybe he could be that guy. But he wasn't that guy, and it also probably wasn't all on him. It certainly was not on all on him. It wasn't probably. It's absolutely, most definitely not all on him. I think that if you look at Utah's receiving core, it's a startling statistic that the last 1,000-yard receiver was Trez Anderson. Now, we're going back a number of years. We were just talking yesterday about uh, Arizona and the Wildcats bringing guys home, getting them associated with the program, the total feel-good for the fans, and maybe it helps in recruiting and Texas has rehired former Longhorn quarterback Vince Young as a special assistant in the athletic department, bringing the College Football Hall of Famer back to the program after he was fired in 2019. Find a role for Vince Young because that, that was a famous team and he is a famous player and you'll always have the video of him running into the corner of the end zone at the Rose Bowl to beat USC. So get him associated with the program somehow. You don't have to fire special assistants usually. Uh, well, it depends on what that is, how ceremonial is it, what mm-hmm. actually does he do. So I don't know any of that, nor do I care, really. Yawks very excited. EA Sports announced that the college football game series will come back. They stopped making it in 2013. More video games for you, Yawk. you to get your kids hooked on that, right? I only play one, and that's that one. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. There were many teams that we talked to, and there were many deals that made no sense. And to be quite honest, there were 10 times over the last two weeks where I didn't think the St. Louis deal made any sense. That's Rocky Cohen and CEO Dick Montford on uh, Nolan Arenado being traded to St. Louis. It's a that's the face of the franchise, a guy who put up massive numbers, PK, the, the kind of guy fans feel good about, and they come to the ballpark to see him swing, see if he's going to knock one out for him, and he's gone. So apparently St. Louis finally sweetened the deal, and it made sense. I don't think to fans it makes a lot of sense. Well, fans don't care about those the financial aspect of it, and all they know that he was a homegrown dude. I mean, they drafted him. Uh, he, he played on a high school team down there in El Toro, which is down by Irvine there uh, in Orange County. Two other guys uh, played on, are in the big leagues. <laughs> Chapman, the third baseman from uh, Oakland, and then Romine 
whose dad played at ASU and played in the big leagues himself, and his brother played in the big leagues. And Arenado did, Arenado did sign with the Devils but didn't go there, and they drafted him in the second round. And he's been with them all this time. And I get it, man. You have these attachments to these guys, and he's really good. And now he's gone, and doesn't look like there's much hope. You talk about how a team needs to have hope for winning. Well, the Rockies, you know, I was reading that that uh, voiceover. It was just, they put it in print, and I was reading it. And he's talking about the owner and maybe thinking about firing himself, <laughs> making a joke about it. But when you you know you think about it, uh, that they let go of their cornerstone. I mean, that from a fan standpoint, that is a major blow. Angels pitching coach Mickey Callaway has been suspended pending an investigation into the allegations against him by five women of lewd behavior. Uh, we talked about this yesterday, and uh, now they're they're sitting him down. He gets suspended in February 3rd. Doesn't matter so much, but we are just talking about spring training is two weeks away, so how quickly are they going to move through this, and are they going to have to hire a new pitching coach or promote someone inside the organization? They're, they're going to need a pitching coach when they get to camp. Oh, yeah, I would... I mean, I don't know if these are true. I, get, I saw the pictures, so there was absolutely there's photographical evidence, if that means anything. But uh, this is a thing that has to cease and desist, and the guys are going to pay if you do it. You're just going to have to be uh, accountable for your actions here. And you're married? Because he put out a statement. The statement's here on the rundown, but he... He put that statement out a couple of days ago. You know, he's married and his wife's a mayor of these general allegations. I mean, what, what does that mean? And I don't want to convict a guy before. Uh, not that it's, it's, I don't think he'll be in a court of law. I don't think that he broke any laws. I'm not sure on that. Uh, but this type of behavior, generally speaking, it's just got to stop. There's really no need for it. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, the Joe Ingles Show, usually on Thursdays, sometimes on Fridays. This week, they'll get games Thursday and Friday. Joe usually stays away from the game days. So, it's Joe Ingles today. Coming up uh, 835, 840, somewhere in there. Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, uh, former BYU and Utah Hoop staff member, will join us at 9.05. And we're talking Super Bowl with John Clayton, Washington Post contributing NFL columnist, and he does radio on 710 ESPN in Seattle. John Clayton will be here at 9.30. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes Your Toast brought to you by Jerry Steiner Cadillac. Right now, you can get up to $6,000 in purchase allowance on the XT lineup. Experience the luxury you deserve by booking a test drive today. Question of the morning. What's your confidence level that the Jazz have restored order? 
PK, I think I'm going to just yeah. take issue with the assumption right here, and it's an assumption that a lot of people are making. I just don't think order was destroyed by one loss in Denver. It was a bad loss. It got way down. It was disappointing. Everybody was fired up and wanted them to win. But when you've won 11 in a row and you lose one, I don't feel like uh, there's order to restore. It would take multiple losses before I would feel that order had been, uh, had been wrecked. Well, I got bad news for you then. They're going to have multiple losses the rest of the season. I believe that. I just so don't feel like order will, has been wrecked yet. Then it will be. If you believe that, then what you're acknowledging is that order will yes. be wrecked. And I, and I believe we will have this discussion at some point. They will go out and lose three out of four or something like that. I, just, I can't believe they're going to have a bunch of long winning streaks followed by one loss, followed by another long winning streak, followed by one loss. It's not going to work like that unless they're even better than we've been talking about. Well, I think the big thing is they've got some games here against teams that are under or at 500, and are they going to be able to beat them? And so that's the sign of a good team, then, if you're acknowledging that, well, I don't know if order needs to be restored. Uh, I mean, the, the Lakers lost to Detroit, and, geez, you would have thought the dam broke, and there was a flood in the Great Basin. It came down from the grapevine. The grapevine. (laughs) That's some local knowledge. I like it. (laughs) Well, I lived there for a bit. Uh, So that's the sign of a quality team is when you do lose, it's a news event, basically, as opposed to, eh, they lost again. Like you're talking about the Warriors. That game was on uh, at the same time as the Jazz flicking back and forth. Did watch a lot of the – earlier game, the Nets and the Clippers, because of the the time difference change of an hour back, allowed you more time, at least for me anyway, to concentrate on that earlier game. And so it's a story when, really it's a story when either of those teams, because of the star power that the Nets now have, and the Clippers are expected to be good, and they are good. They just, they're, they're really good. And it's going to be tough to beat them unless Paul George just really lays another leg. He's a wildly talented player. You have to think that uh, talent matters, and so he should perform better than he has in the postseason, and we'll see about that when we get there. But when the Lakers lose, it's a news story, and I think that's the same thing with the Jazz. Any loss is a big deal, which is a great thing to have, if, as opposed to, you know, will, will they lose three out of four? I mean, you basically say yes. There will be a stretch here during this. Now, you have to factor in COVID and health because that could change things. But all things being equal, will this team have a stretch of losing three out of four? I don't know that they will. Well, then that's awesome. That is awesome. And and here's the thing. The Lakers are defending champs. I don't think it was just the Detroit loss. I think that it was back-to-back and that they'd gone three and three over six games. That's and fair. so that is like, hey, what's going on? And the first thing, because we're not in the middle of it and we're not living it day to day, but the first thing you and I both go to is, well, yeah, you didn't have Anthony Davis. <laughs> okay, you lost. The other losses were one point to Philly and two points to the Warriors. You know, you, you don't win them all. They were 14-4 and four before they lost the back-to-back games. But they're still, even after those losses, and they've ride to the ship, they've come back and they've won two more. But even walking out of the arena in Detroit with back-to-back losses and it's three out of six, like they were still winning 70% of their games. That, that's still a, a really good clip. 
but it's not a 60-win clip in an 82-game season, which is what Laker fans, where's our 60 wins, where's our championship? So anytime you fall short of that standard, which is obviously a high standard, two in a row, three out of six, we're not on a 60-win pace. What's going on? They'll get it together. Yeah, I mean, I picked Detroit because they stink. And it's really the only thing to pick with the Lakers because other than that, they've been who they're supposed to be. They're just, they're really good again. Right. And when they do lose, it's a big deal. And I think even in our own community right now, I think the Jazz are under-respected and they're undervalued as far as where they belong on the list of great teams. I, I think there's a reluctance, even in our own community, I think there's also a reluctance nationally, but I certainly think, and I, to a degree I can understand that, but locally here, I think there is a, a reluctance to put them in that category, that when they do lose, it's a big deal. And so you're going to get it, – it's just like BYU football, in a sense, this past season. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, they lost that game. See, I told you. And I think that's what we had with the Denver thing. So even though it was one loss, and it was just one loss, obviously, it seemed like it mattered a little bit more for a couple of reasons. We're, we're waiting for them to stumble. They're not that good. They can't be that good. Wait a second. They're out in Salt Lake City. You just can't be that good. Come on. Who's their big star? Oh, this young kid? Pfft. Get out of town. Look what Shaq said. Shaq's right, you know, at, at the heart of it. There's, there's, very few, there's a couple of guys that it's just beyond criticism. And I think Shaq, uh, people are quick to defend him. LeBron, no matter what LeBron does, LeBron has, has become the, this, the crusader of the world, basically. And there's a large segment of this population that will not criticize him under any circumstance. He is a hero on and off the floor, as I say, he's a crusader, and he's a beyond reproach for a lot of folks. And whether you disagree with it, that's not the point. The point is, that's the truth. I'm, when I say disagree, I'm talking about any political stance or whatever. I'm not talking about his stances. I'm talking about his stature. And I think he's that point. And I think to a degree, Shaq has that too. He's known more as a goofball, but obviously when he was critical of Mitchell, he wasn't in goofball mode. He was dead serious, and I think there's a lot of people who are going to support Shaq because of who he is and what he has done. And yeah, he is a big goofball, we know that, but he was being serious. So they're looking at it, and so I see Shaq was right. Look at him. That big game that they had finally played a big game, and they got blown. Yeah, they can beat the Mavericks. Well, everybody and their dogs beating the Mavericks these days, so that doesn't really count. Sure, they're good enough to beat those teams, but are they really that good? So I think that was sort of a double whammy on Sunday in a national respect. And so it was important that they came right back out and got the win. And going forward, these teams, I know they play Atlanta, who they play on Saturday. I don't remember. Uh, I don't think they play Saturday. Sure they do. Charlotte, oh, Friday, oh, and oh, Charlotte. Thursday, Indiana. Thursday, Thursday Friday. Yeah, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Friday, Sunday. Sunday. Thursday, yeah. Friday, Sunday, yeah. Okay, so it's Atlanta, Charlotte, Indiana. Well, they better win all three because they're constantly fighting. As far as when I say win all three, if you want that respect to continue to grow and piggyback off of uh, each other's wins and all that stuff, it seems like they, they've got to because if they have one slip up, aha, see, mm-hmm. yeah. I told you, just like BYU football had this past season. And I think the other thing is that the Clippers and Lakers, 
one of them may slip up, but I don't think both of them are going to. And if you're not in the top spot, it's all the easier to dismiss you. And you can be dismissed if you're number one. But if you slip to number three, it's just even easier. By a half game? Yeah, it's like you can win. It's like because it's for the same reason. I get why you say that because it sounds ridiculous when you say it. But because team, because people are looking for a reason, it's like you lost. You're not the best team. You don't even have the best record now. And you know when you get to the playoffs because people are looking for a reason to dismiss. Okay, why is that though? That why are they looking for a reason to dismiss this ball club? I mean, I just gave my reasons. Two reasons, I think. One, so um, two. Yes. There's probably three, but two came to mind right away. You can add a third when I give my two. Try and get a third in there, okay? Okay. (laughs) Stars matter. They don't have a star. The level of Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James in the public's mind, because those guys have done it multiple times with multiple teams, they have held up the trophy. But they're not going to do it alone. True. That's one. And then two, just the general rep of the franchise. Like, L.A. is supposed to be good, and the Salt Lakes of the world, Indiana's, Detroit's, Denver's, whoever else you want to throw in there, mm-hmm. they're, not yeah. supposed, they're not supposed to be good. Portland and New Orleans and Memphis aren't supposed to be good. It, you, like, L.A. is supposed to be good. Now, the Clippers, it's not like they've been doing NBA Finals, but they got a guy who has done it with the Spurs and done it with the Raptors, and it's L.A., so they get that status. And they're, and they're not looked at the same way. Yeah, you got, that's why you got a third one? Those are my two. No, Star well, power, I mean, history of the franchise, and the market. Those are the two things that I already said. So <laughs> Good for you. You nailed it. Winner. Because well, I agreed with you. Uh, Always. That's what it comes down to. Whenever you, see, whenever you hear someone say, oh, I met so-and-so, they're really smart. It's like, go back to the conversation. Yeah, I, I mean, bet they agreed with each other for the last five minutes. Hence why LeBron is thought as a crusader. Is because the stuff he says, there's a large segment of the population who wants to agree with him. That's why he's viewed as a sort of a cultural hero in that way. We, we all understand that. That's the way it goes. It's irregardless of what you think of him. I don't really care what his political stances are. That's just me. But uh, that's why he, he can do no wrong in this country right now. And when he speaks, man, it's like practically coming down from, from the mountaintop. Uh, and the Jazz don't have that. Uh, they don't have that rep. That's why I think it's important. The perception is that they needed to restore order. Whether you think they did or not doesn't really matter. The perception is that they needed to because they did lose. And as far as national claim, and the great thing about it is you don't really need the national acclaim. Uh, it's just a talking point for ding-dongs like me during the season to try to figure out this isn't like college football in that BYU basically had to be voted in to some prestigious bowl game. Well, you don't have to be voted into anything at the pro sports level because the opportunity is there for you to seize it and show everyone, did you get it? Are you good enough? Would you win? That's the great thing about the pro sports is that it's not a beauty contest in the way that college football is because essentially at the end of the day with college football it's decided by judges (laughs) and once you bring in judges you bring in all sorts of perception bias good or bad history bias good or bad all those types of things we're just talking in the meantime because when we get to the postseason may or june whenever that is well, we'll find out. And if you're good enough and you got uh, seven opportunities to show it 
in each particular round, if you get to four, you get to go and continue, and obviously the other guy goes home. So that's that's essentially you know why pro sports is much better than college. You don't have to worry about that nonsense. Although at the same time, you know as you said, Los Angeles being what it is, basically don't screw it up, and you should be good. And if you screw it up, well then you're not going to be good. But you know they have so many built-in advantages that these smaller markets and these places like Salt Lake don't have. But I think in the interim time, these guys are striving, or at least uh, among the fan bases in the media and the games that we play, for perception. That's why I think they needed, they did, in fact, need to restore order immediately, and they did. It wasn't a glamorous, sexy win, but in my mind, it was certainly good enough. Jason didn't think they needed to restore order. He says it was one loss against a really good team. Hyperbole much? But at the same time, Aaron Post, it's the Jazz we're talking about. <laughs> just dismissing them. Because of that mean? whatever, I think, whatever some previous team did that disappointed versus whatever the level of expectation was that year. So because of whatever happened two years ago or 12 years ago or 20 years ago, whatever it is, it's going to happen again. Well, yeah, I don't know about that. Maybe it will. And I don't know that 20 years ago or any of that stuff, as you say, has anything to do with it. But, yeah, I think the Jazz are in a position that you can't just say, oh, well, we're a small market out here in the middle of the crossroads of the West where nobody comes except some truckers on I-80. You look at it, this group hasn't proven anything. Nothing as far as a, a level of importance, right? And we talked about Matt, Matt Harpering yesterday. I thought Matt made a couple of great points. Uh, one, when he criticized Shaq, he's like, oh, wait a second, Shaq. You weren't winning anything when you were 24 years old. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? And that was quite the talking point when he was 24. Oh, yeah, he's bigger and stronger, but he didn't shoot free throws, and what's he done in the playoffs? Which is yeah. the same thing Jordan heard when he was 24. Right, and I think that uh, so he's quick to criticize, obviously, Donovan Mitchell at 24 years of age, and Shaq was not, he, I think he was 27, mm-hmm. maybe even, I think he was, yeah, I think he was 27 I think he was 27, I think he and Jordan it's, both were, yeah. Right, and so, you know, that's not that far away in real life, but in basketball, three years, that's a long time. Uh, and, you know, that's what obviously Mitchell has to go. He still has three years to go before he gets there. So, wow, just think, think about that. When At that point, when he's a seven-year veteran, geez, that, that seems almost unfathomable that there's going to be a time that Donovan Mitchell is going to be a seven-year veteran. He's like our kid. He's our teenage son, <laughs> but yet we're going to watch him grow up as a man and as a basketball player right before our eyes. But it's, it's, what be you, see. it's what you said in the last segment, though, when he was making that joke about, yeah, we get tired, we're an old team, I love to say those guys. You know, there's three guys in their 30s, there's like five guys in their prime. Donovan, now, now performance-wise, maybe he's actually in his prime, but when you look at his age and how long he's been in, in the league, he shouldn't be. His prime should still be. I don't think he be, is. Right, his prime should still be out there. You know, I, I, think I, I, think, I think that like 27 to 31, you know, that kind of five year run and, and maybe you keep it going after that. And maybe you're Chris Paul and you're still wildly productive at 35, yeah. but most guys aren't, you know, most guys pretty good at 30, 31. And then you start bracing yeah. yourself for the drop. But sure, most guys aren't yeah. that player though. Right. That's yeah. what separates the, 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 the superstars are by definition, not most guys. So these guys individually. And to follow up on the Harping thing, he was mm-hmm. talking about, you know, 
criticizing Shaq for criticizing Mitchell, and I thought it was a valid point. Shaq didn't win until he was 27, so let's give Mitchell some time, and certainly he has time on his side right now. And then secondly, Matt's acknowledging, well, in this league, particularly in this league, in order to be the true superstar, it has to be done in the postseason. It just it, it, it has to be. I don't think in the NFL or MLB that it necessarily has to be. Uh, Dan Marino didn't get it done in the postseason, but yet he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't think anybody would uh, argue that. And obviously Mike Trout in baseball, he's not getting it done in the postseason. He's not having the opportunity to get it done, but we recognize him as a superstar. Where I think that's completely and totally different in basketball. You, It is an absolute must. You must get it done in the postseason. And these guys, to a large extent, haven't had that opportunity to get it done, although I believe that they're going to. That's the great thing. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. February signing date, PK. Do you remember when that was a big deal? Oh, for sure, yeah. It's yeah. crazy how much it's changed. Right? Today's signing day, do you feel it in the air? No, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Uh, but there is a little bit of a, a mea culpa, a readjustment. And it reflects well on the Utes if you're into that kind of thing, if you want to be. Or, or maybe it drives you nuts when you hear it. We'll get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Have we ever talked to John on the air? No. No. And I've got questions. Is he there? I'm here. Hey, John, how are hey, you? Hey, John. I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, John, yeah. while we have you, no, no, we've had a, uh-huh. a, a long back and forth about a pitchfork incident. I want to know the details of my buddy here and your brother running a pitchfork through you. <laughs> we were out working and, you know, cleaning our ends or whatever you want to call it. And uh, he thought that he was like King Triton and he uh, threw that pitchfork and uh, oh! exactly <laughs> threw it up. He just right on the mark and put it right underneath the kneecap. Did you throw a trident? Yeah, and I killed a guy with a trident. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK reminding you Valentine's Day is not far away and flowers make the perfect gift. Jimmy's Flowers, a longtime partner with The Zone, can make it easy by visiting them at jimmysflowers.com. Remember, Valentine's is on Sunday this year. Shop for Jimmy's Flowers at jimmysflowers.com. So today is the second big signing day, except there really isn't a second big signing day because the first signing day is so big, the second signing day exists to, uh, I don't know, double back and fill the rest of the slots. And maybe you had a, a kid transfer and you've got an open scholarship. And for the group of five, maybe there's a little more, you know, uh, the guys who didn't sign because they thought they were going to go to a Power 5 school are now available. So there'll be some signings, but it doesn't have the juice it used to. Uh, we see the classes ranked when this is all done, PK, and we see the Utes often ranked in the 30s, which is better when their classes were ranked in the 60s. But the teams constantly outperform the rankings, and the Athletic does a deal where they go back, and four years later, after all is said and done, I guess there's some fifth-year seniors and return missionaries roaming the lands, but largely it's all said and done. And they re-rank them, and the Utes have now had three of their classes re-ranked 7th, ninth. And 25th. And I think that of all the back rooms where the deals get made, you know, people would like to sit in on the NCAA selection committee, maybe, right? You'd like to sit in with an NFL team in the draft room. 
and see what really goes down here before a, a draft day trade or something. Uh, how they rank these kids and give them stars, and why do five four five star and four star kids transfer, and why do two stars end up uh, in the NFL? Uh, how does this all happen? I don't know. Seven and nine seems a little high based on the fact the Utes haven't you know won a conference championship, but they go through these classes and and the players who developed who they never expected to, and uh, you know they're ranking these classes much higher at the end than they do at the start, which. Brings up the question, why don't they just rank them higher at the start? Well, two things. All right, all right, I like it. <laughs> I like it. What do you got? Turning the tables on him. <laughs> I don't know if it's two things. I just said that. I, I think they're being ranked on uh, NFL. They are. So if you're going to go to the NFL, that's going to increase. Yep. Whether, like, like Tim Patrick didn't give the Utes much because he was injured a lot, but he's in the NFL. Yep. And they do. They have a five-star system. And if, you, uh, go, if you're a top 50 NFL draft pick, an award winner, an All-American, they give you five points. And if you're all-conference or a multi-year starter, they give you four. So, so yeah. I think that's a large portion of it. Now, also, the same thing with Patrick with Thompson here. Quarterback wasn't giving you much. So they've yet to have uh, – Huntley was pretty good. Uh, so you've, you, uh, But he was pretty good for – Really, one season, you know, his sophomore year was growing pains. Mm-hmm. Junior year, he got hurt halfway through, yeah. and it was done, unfortunately. And then senior year, he put together a really good season. You've got to acknowledge that. Uh, I I think that re- even the December recruiting date isn't as big as the February used to be. Used to be the first Wednesday in February, which is where we are today. Mm-hmm. That was a huge deal. It was everything, I, right? I counted on working, you know, ten hour day because uh, especially after I uh, left the Watchdog, I wasn't. I was not just focused on one. When I was with the Watchdog, I had an assignment. It was uh, Utah State for a while, BYU, Utah. You know, you move around. And so I would focus on that. Then when I became just strictly electronic, it's my job to cover everything, right? So I was always going to Provo and up on the hill because they were having a big thing for both. And they would, you, BYU especially would make huge presentations. And, it, you know, they'd have film, they'd have Rubel, have voiceovers. Everything mm-hmm. would be done on that. They'd show you clips of... Uh, I could still remember Ofa Molotow, who never panned out, you know, just pancaking 12 guys out on the defense, uh, <laughs> which I'm obviously I'm making an exaggeration. And the crowd, they invite the Cougar Club in. Oh, ah, all this stuff, you know. It was such a massive deal. Yep. Utah's was a little more understated, but still it was a big, big deal. Well, now there's nothing. And there's really nothing on uh, either way. And this this last season was a little bit different here with the Zoom calls, anyway. So, but I think that even the December date isn't as big of a deal. And what I mean by that, because recruiting now is a broad-based definition, meaning mining that transfer portal. You just yep. look at Mark Pope and his basketball team. Well, the the signing date for them that's just a sliver. We don't really know until August what his team is going to be because that guy has taken advantage, as he should, because 
it, you know, BYU being uh, so obviously restrictive, it's much easier to get like this Averett kid in. They did a feature on him that what do they what do they call that thing, Yak the Blue Deep Blue Deep or Blue, something, which PK yeah. PK was featured. In. Yeah, they came out to my house and they do a great job. I gotta say. And I think they hire out uh, independent people to do it. And they came out, and you know, I've been I've done a lot of television over the years and that type of thing. And you and I, DJ, did that Sports Century thing mm-hmm. with Carl Malone, yep. where we went uh, to over a hotel by mill. At least I did, and and sat in there. Well, that Deep Blue was just as professional uh, coming in, they, and they actually came into my home and had all that stuff. Well, the point I'm making is, I watched that thing, and somebody put it on Twitter, and I saw it. And you see the kid now, well, what is he, 22 years old? He's way more mature, so he can handle all the stuff that BYU is about for a short time much easier than they probably wouldn't have given him the time of day when he was 18. Well, here at 22, 23 years old, you know, obviously he's a man now. And so that's wise for Mark Pope to do that. And we've seen Utah starting to really get into that stuff. Herm Edwards, he calls it f- the free agency period. <laughs> he, he NFL guy. It, yeah, <laughs> right, right, which you have to do. So because of this transfer stuff that's going on, it's like the signing day now in December isn't as big of a deal well, as it used to be. Just look at Utah. I mean, their yeah, starting quarter, their, right? the youth starting quarterback this year yeah. came through the transfer portal. Their yeah. backup quarterback – Came through the transfer portal. There's a strong chance that one, two, three on the depth chart will all come through the transfer portal and then go to running back. Right, right, exactly. Good yeah. chance that one and two will be transfer portal guys. So, so how you manipulate this transfer portal thing is crucial to your team's success for a lot of programs. And even, even the big dogs, Justin Fields and down JT Daniels in Georgia, Burrow at LSU, you know, so you can't just say, well, it's just for those who have to fight, scratch, and claw. Uh, yes, it is, maybe more so, but even the big dogs are getting involved in it. DJ and PK, we're taking a break. When we come back, more on the Utah Jazz. we got a lot of response pouring into the question of the day. We will get to that coming up. Joe Ingles scheduled to join us in Probably about 35, 40 minutes. Uh, Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, to be here at 9 o'clock. And we're talking Super Bowl with John Clayton, Washington Post, and 710 ESPN in Seattle at 930. Stay with us.